Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Thank you, Miss Brandy. Take your Bibles to the book of First Corinthians, or excuse me, First Chronicles. The other C word Bible there, book. First Chronicles. <clears throat> First Chronicles, chapter number twenty-two. Let me just say, uh, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here this morning. Um, it is a privilege to be a father. Amen. Now there are some in this world who have become fathers and resented it did not want the responsibility, and have rejected that responsibility, amen, because as much of a privilege as it is, it is most assuredly a responsibility, amen. It's a great responsibility, and the more children you have, the more responsibility it becomes. Uh, It is sometimes a challenge, isn't it, Brother Tim? It's a trial and a challenge, and so especially to those men who take that responsibility seriously, no matter what walk of life they're in or how they became to that place, uh, that they have children that the Lord has entrusted to them. Because that's what it is to be a father. Brother Tim talked about it in Sunday school a little bit this morning, how that they are a heritage of the Lord, that God gives them to us for a time. And uh, any man who will take that job seriously and raise his children for the Lord is deserving of our respect. Amen. Amen. Now we know that all glory is reserved for God, right? And when we say that, what we mean is there's none left for anybody else. So we want glory in our fathers, but we will respect them. We will say that we appreciate those men who obey the call of God to raise their their children and to lead their family as the spiritual leaders of their home. Amen. 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 And I'm thankful certainly this morning uh, for the good men that God has put in my life, both my earthly father who did his best to raise us for the Lord. Amen. I mean, my dad was my pastor my whole life uh, until I became the pastor of this church. And he, he is not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a godly man, and he did his best to raise us. And he, my grandfather, I've spoken to my, my papa a number of times in this church about how that he spent many years out in the world living in sin, more or less. And, uh, you know, he was still at home, and he still was there with my, my dad and his brothers and his sister and my grandmother, but he was out of church. But even when he was out of church, I will say this for him, he was, he was, he was an alcoholic. But never did his life reflect amorality in other ways, that he was always very respectful of God's house and would not bear anybody else being disrespectful even when he was living in sin. And uh, I, I, I thank him for that, amen. And that he also taught us a very, very hard work ethic. No one, I'm convinced there's no one on earth that could work harder than my papa. I saw him one time. You know, sometimes you'll hit your thumb with a nail, or with a hammer, excuse me. And that hurt. Y'all ever done that? Anybody ever hit your thumb with a hammer? It hurts. I saw him hit, we were tearing a barn down, and I saw him hit his thumb with a hammer onto an old rusty nail. 
Now, I won't go into the gritty detail, but some of y'all are, are, are flinching right now. My mouth dropped open at the result, and I thought, we're going to the hospital. And he went, what you? That's smarts. Because that's what he'd do. He'd go, what you? You know, you go, my, my, my papa voices that out. What you? I always thought that was weird. He said, what you? That's smarts. And I mean, it looked like his, it was, he was going to lose his thumb. I thought, well, that's done. Your thumb is gone. He went to the truck, found an old thing of black oil, out of something, poured it on there, tore a chunk of his shirt off, wrapped it up, and we went back and worked another three, four, five, six hours in the sun. He still has a thumb, and that is, I'm telling you, by the grace of God. It is the grace of God that his thumb is still there. Don't do that. You know, they say rub some dirt on it. Don't. Don't rub some dirt on it. That's not uh, medically correct. And what he did wasn't either, but it worked out. Amen. That's a tough man. And he taught me a lot. And he did it a lot of times very roughly. Amen. He, did, he, he didn't let you by with a lot of things. And he was a very strict and hardworking man in a lot of ways. And I'm thankful for the men that God has put in my life to be a good example. Amen. They weren't all a good example in everything, but many of them were a good example in something. And uh, I appreciate that this morning. And I appreciate all the men here today. Uh, sometime back, I don't know, a few months back in my Bible reading, uh, I was reading through a certain passage. I don't know why I'd gone to that passage. It may have just been in my daily Bible reading. I can't recall. But I wrote down a thought that the Lord brought to mind and heart as I was reading this chapter, and I had put a note beside it that maybe that would be something I would look at on Father's Day. And, and uh, this week I feel like the Lord confirmed that in my heart. In 1 Chronicles chapter 22, and for this, uh, let's just quickly read this whole chapter together. It's not a very long chapter. Uh, Second Chron or 1 Chronicles chapter 22, this is, we are drawing now down to the end of King David's life and his reign as king of Israel. And it is about time, it's becoming time for him to now anoint his son Solomon to become the king of Israel. And when he anoints him, Solomon will be king of Israel, even though David has not yet died. They would both sit, if you will, on the throne in a sense for that time. It was almost like a short interim period while David was still alive until he would die when he and Solomon would both be considered the kings of Israel because David was up in years. It was around the age of 70, I believe, when he passed away. And here in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, the time has come that David is ready to hand the reins over to his son. And in verse number 1 it said, Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. And David commanded to gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel, and he sent masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors, the gates, and for the joinings, and brass in abundance without weight. Also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians, and they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon my son is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house under the name of the Lord my God. This is referring to the fact that throughout the history of Israel, they have worshipped God in what was called the tabernacle. And there is a distinct difference between the tabernacle and the temple. The tabernacle was essentially a tent. And it was designed very specifically in an image of the way that God wanted it done. But David was grieved by the fact that there was no house with walls and a roof, a proper house, 
for God. And God, uh, it was in his heart to build the temple, but God told him that he wasn't going to let him do it. We see there in verse number 8, it said, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him a rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, this is David speaking, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding. Give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper, if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments with the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. Now behold, in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a thousand thousand talents of silver, and a brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. Moreover, there are workmen with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stone and timber, and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work, of the gold, the silver, and the brass, and the iron. There is no number. Arise, therefore, and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. I say, Amen. Arise, therefore, build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we ask you, Lord, this morning, if you would, Lord, we come before your throne of grace today to request, God, that you'd meet with us here in this place, in this building for just a few minutes. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for everything you've given us, all that you've done, and thank you for every soul that's here. God, I know there are some who couldn't be here today. I pray that you'd be with them where they are. God, that you'd give them a blessing and that you'd speak to them. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us today, Lord, as we look to your word. God, speak to our hearts. God, we pray, Lord, as we look, God, to your precious and holy word, God, speak to us and, and show us, Lord, that we might become better, that we might be more like you, that it might be a light to our path, a lamp, Lord, to our feet. God, I pray, help us today. We need you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. David is speaking as a king to his uh, successor. That is true. But he's not just a king speaking to his successor. He, no, he does not call him Solomon, future king, Solomon, future successor. He calls him my son. Because this is a father's care for his son. That's what it is. Uh, it is possible that any king with a, with a vision like David's might have gone to the great extent that David did in preparation for his son and his kingdom. But I think that, uh, that it's telling just how much work David put into the preparations for the kingdom before handing it to Solomon. What he wanted to do, I believe, is his desire was to set up his son for success. Now, there's a lot of people in the world who would have that desire, say, I want my children to have great success. I know many, many parents say, I want my kids to have it easier than I had it, right? I want them to have more than I had. You know, we you hear a lot of stories. My dad liked to tell stories growing up how they 
They had to walk down the hill to get the water and the buckets and pack it back up the hill because they didn't have running water in the house when they were little kids and those things. And you hear that stuff, and he's like, you know, I, I want y'all to have nicer things than I had, and, and not because of something against his parents, it's just they just didn't have it, Brother Tim. Well, I, you want your children to have more than you had, to be blessed and to, and to have it easier. Amen, that's all true. But I think that more than that, any of that, what David really wanted is he wanted Solomon to be successful in fulfilling the will of God for his life. Now, David had a desire in his heart to build the temple. That's what he wanted to do. He had a vision for it, something he wanted to see done. But God told him, it's not my will. He sent Nathan the prophet, I believe, in chapter 17 to tell him, it's not my will that you would do that because you've got too much blood on your hands. And yes, David fought those wars for God, but God said, a bloody man doesn't need to build my house. I'm going to give your son a time of rest. And that time of rest that is not filled with war will be the time that my house will be built because it was God's will that Solomon would build the house of God. So God told David what the will of God was for his son. Now, as we look at that today and we understand we're looking at David and we, we see him, he's a king, and, and I understand that today as we, we come together to honor men, we look at our fathers, they're not kings, right? Amen. And someone might say, bless God, I'm the king of my castle. But the truth is, you're not. Christ is the head of the church and the head of the, and we are the head of the home under Christ as a dad and a, and a husband. Amen. But Christ is truly the only head. There's, no, there's not room for two at the top. A two-headed, a two-headed creature is a monster. It's a freak, right? So we understand that. God is the head of our lives. He's the head of all things. So we're not kings, and our grandfathers and our fathers aren't kings, but they are good. We, we can look at these men, and what they are meant to be are good, godly male influences in our lives. Amen. It is so important that our children have a good, godly male influence in their lives. That is an absolute fact. It is also very important that they have a good godly female influence. Children need a mother. Amen. That is an absolute fact. But just as true as that may be, it is equally true, if not more true, that they need a father. You say, well, how is it more true? Well, Brother Tim gave us a few statistics this morning of just how much of an effect a bad father can have on a home. Amen. A bad father is a curse to a home. It is. A bad father is a, it, it, it can be a life sentence. It can be what it is. Some of, the, some of the bad choices and the bad lives that so many folks have lived, they, they have lived, and it's so many times you look at it, people make jokes, well, I had a bad dad, or, you know, I, I've got a daddy issues. You hear that a lot? Well, the reason it has become such a cliche is because there's a great amount of truth to that. There is. As we look at here, and we look in this, this, this picture, I know David was not a perfect father. You know that, and I know that. And we know that Solomon is not going to be a perfect king. Amen. But in this instance, in this spot of David's life, this point, there are some things I think we could all agree David got right. And I want to look at that today. I want to talk to you about preparing the path for our children. Now, this morning, if you were in Brother Tim's adult Sunday school class, you're probably going to hear a couple things repeated. Uh, and that was a great lesson Brother Tim did. I don't think you got to record it this morning, did you, brother? And I was going to say you should go listen to it, but, well, sorry, you missed it. Ask him for the notes. Amen. But the fact is, we look at this in the Bible. First thing I want you to notice about David is that he educated his son. He educated his son. In verse uh, number, or excuse me, in chapter number 29, you'll find that this 
event of him anointing Solomon takes place from chapter 22 all the way down to the end of chapter 29, which is the end of the book of 1 Chronicles. But in chapter 29, verse number 1, it says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender. Now it is it's believed that, uh, that Solomon was around 20 years old at the time of his anointing. Now that is a guess because we don't have an exact number, but he became, we, we know that at the time of this point right here, that Solomon was 20. Now, we, we do have record of, of the age he was when he started officially, and there, but there's some debate about it. He's around that age. He's very young. Y'all, can you all agree 20 years old is very young? At 20 years old, there's a whole lot more that you don't know than you do know. Amen. Amen. And this man is about to become the king of all Israel at 20 years old. His father, David, died at 70 years old. Now, in that time of having his son Solomon, who he knew for quite some time was going to be king, I have no doubt that David took time to teach his son some things. Some things that only David could teach him. Amen. And if you look here in the passage, we'll see how we see that he, David started early. He's talking about how that Solomon is very young and tender, and he knows his son. He says he's young and tender, and he's saying that. That's a kind way of saying he's young, he's green, right? He's not been hardened by life, if you will. There's a lot of things he does not know, and there's a lot of things that he's going to do, and he is going to need your help. And in in 1 Chronicles 29.1, he is telling the congregation, my son is young and tender. He's telling that because he's going to say, he needs your help. I need you to help him. Amen. He is young and tender. We know that David started when Solomon was early. We can see that as we see how that David talks about the statutes of Moses, but he does not explain the statutes of Moses to Solomon. The only reason I can tell you that David would say, make sure you follow these rules, but he don't tell him what the rules are, is because he's already told him. Amen? Amen. That David has been teaching his son from the time he was born. And can I tell you, it is so important that we as dads are teaching our children what is right and what is wrong from a very young age. From the time they know what the word no means, they need to know what things are a no and what things are a yes. Let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. Yeah, that's what it needs to be. That we as fathers specifically... Now, let, let me help you with something. I think a lot of times, especially when they're young, if oh, there is a tendency to just let their mother handle it all, right? They're, they're babies, they're dealing with a lot of... Oh, well, that's her business. I recently had a conversation with a fella, and, I, and, and we were just talking about parenthood and things, and he has, a, he has at least one kid, maybe a couple, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head, and his statement was to me was, well, as much as I work, honestly, I don't ha- I'm not around very much. I don't really, she takes care of a lot of that. And I was immediately concerned for his family because that's not parenting. Parenting takes, in a home where there is, and God has been, been kind, and there is a father and a mother, them two must work together in the raising of their children. A daughter and a son both need their father. Amen. They need them to educate them, to start early, and to start teaching them important things. Amen. My dad taught me a lot of things. Some of those things were easily learned, and some of those things were hard to learn. Amen. Some of them came very harshly. Some of them came more softly. Some of them were just life lessons, and many of them were spiritual lessons. Amen. It is so important that a father is hands-on with his children. Amen. A hands-off father is as good as an absentee father. 
Your, your children will not thank you for not being a part of their lives. Now, I know the day we live in, and it is a go, 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 work, 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 never stop, keep going kind of day we live in. I understand that. In the country we're living, the economy, I get all that stuff. But there's no excuse for being an absentee father in the family of God. We know better because you want to see some bad examples of dads? There's some bad dads in the Bible. There are some bad dads in the Bible. And there are some good dads. It's easy to see the difference between the ones who are bad and the ones that are good. And the ones who were good raised their children for God and loved them. And the ones who were bad failed in those areas. Amen. He started early. He showed his earnestness. Let me move a little more quickly. He showed his earnestness. In, in chapter 22, as we read verse 7, said David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house under the name of the Lord my God. In chapter 28, we have much of this repeated as David has, has come back around. He is, he is now reaffirming many of these things to, to Solomon. And before the people, in 28 verse 2, he said, it says that David, David the king stood up on his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. So here's what David is showing them. He said in, in chapter 22, it was in his mind to build a house for the Lord. So that's where it started. It was an idea, right? Now we know it wasn't God's will for David to build that house, but he had an idea one day. You know what would be great? If we build a house for the Ark of the Covenant. And then it became more than just in his head, as in chapter 28 he said, hear me, as for me, I had in mine heart to build a house. So it went from being something that he thought to something that he believed and desired and had all the way down in his heart that it was more than just, well, yeah, that'd be a good thing to do. Being a dad is not something that you can just think, yeah, that'd be a good thing to do. You need to have it in your heart. Amen. It must be in your heart that you are going to be a godly father to your children. Don't send your kids to church without you. Amen. Don't, tell, don't leave it all on mom's shoulders and, and, and lay it off on her. Put yourself in that place for them. Pick up that cross and bear it because it's your responsibility. They need to see that you are real. Amen. Let me say it again. They need to see that you are real. You know what will damage a child? Daddy is one way at church and he's another way at home. Amen. David showed, he was telling them, it's in my heart, it is, it is a part of me that, that to do the will and the work of God is of the utmost importance to me. It's not just something I say or think, but it is in my heart. Speaking of his earnestness, it takes more than a know-how or a knowledge that you need to do what's right. It takes an earnest heart with a true desire toward God and toward the things of God. He, we see that he he started early. He showed his earnestness. Then he stated what was essential. Look in chapter 22, verse number 9. Let me read this to you quickly. Or I won't read it all, but in verse 9, he, he's telling them how that the Lord told him that there'd be a son born and he would have peace. His name would be Solomon. In verse 10, he said, He shall build a house for my name and he shall be my son and I will be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom of Israel forever. And that's the Lord talking about Solomon. And then David said this. He said, Now, my son, the Lord be with thee and prosper you, give thee, and build the house of the Lord my God, or thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord. Verse 13. Then shalt thou prosper if. Now, 
That is what's called an if-then statement. Now, it's backwards. It's then-if here. But an if-then statement is this, and parents have to use those a lot. If this happens, then this will happen. Now, that can be both positive and negative, right? If you clean your room, then you can have some ice cream. If you are well-behaved in church, then we might go get us a Happy Meal, right? You know, you might say, if you do a good thing, then good things occur. If you talk to your mother that way, then you're going to have to talk to me about it. Amen. If you do that, bad things will happen. If then. And David gave to his son Solomon, a 20-year-old young man, standing before all the kingdom of Israel, an if-then statement. But it wasn't really one from him, was it? It was from God. He said, if you will take heed to, to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel, which means if you will follow the law and you will be obedient to God, then shalt thou prosper. God said He was going to prosper him as the king over Israel, that he, was, that he would be his son and God would be his father and he would do all these things and, and all that was going to happen. David said this, Solomon, God will do all that for you and more if. He was establishing by stating what was essential in Solomon's life. God could not only be the God of his father, David, but he needed to be the God of Solomon. Amen. That's what God said. God said, I'll be his God and he'll be, my, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. That was what was going to have to happen if God was going to prosper Solomon, that Solomon needed to make God his God. But you know what I think a lot of times happens? Is David wanted his son to know that if he stayed faithful to God, he'd prosper continually. In other words, for his future, for Solomon's future, here is David, an old man, knowing that his time on this earth is drawing to a close. He is standing before all of his people. He is addressing this young man who would now be king in his place. And here's what he's saying. If there's one thing you need to know about the future, it's this. You have to keep God first. We talked about that in Sunday school, didn't we? They asked the Lord Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Here's what David said. I could tell you a lot of things about battle. He could. He could tell him a lot of things about, about um, protecting the kingdom. He could tell him a lot of things about worshiping God. He could tell him a lot of things about, about shepherding if he wanted to, and he could teach him all the things he knew from his childhood and what he'd learned from this king over here and what he'd learned in this battle over there and what he'd learned from this person that taught him and what this person taught him. But here's what he said. He said, there's one thing that you need to know. You want to prosper? You want to succeed? There is one thing. Stick with God. I think sometimes, Brother Tim, we spend too much time trying to make sure that our kids like the things we like. Amen? Like the same sports teams we... Amen. And by the way, can I just tell you, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have connections with your children. My brother struggles because his boy Josiah is more like me than he is him in the things he enjoys. And that's not my fault. I have in no way influenced him. I'm very hands-off with Josiah. But Josiah's not a big ball player. He don't love basketball. My brother lived and breathed it as a kid. He, he, he takes him fishing and stuff, and he has fun, but he'd much rather be in the house playing with toys or, or even playing in the, in the... He goes outside and plays in the playground, and, and he's got a very vivid imagination. 
He imagines things and all that stuff. He's got a very creative mind. And my brother, that's just not his stuff. He struggles with that, you know. He'll talk, he'll talk about it to me sometimes. He's like, I'm raising you, and I don't know what I did to deserve this. That's what he said. I'm like, well, you know, God's punishing you is what it is. But the truth is, at the end of the day, we want our kids to, to like the things we like and all that stuff. And, and I'm not telling you that that has no importance, and, and that can be great. You can build a relationship with your kids and all those things, but I will tell you this. Nothing is more important than that you teach them to walk with God. It's not better that they know how to change a tire. They could live a life, and Brother, Brother Jason showed me a meme this morning about not being able to change the windshield wipers on your vehicle. It's important to teach them that, but it is not as important that they know that as it is that they know that the only way they'll succeed in life is if they walk with God. Amen. Teach them to change the oil. Teach them to, teach them to work the fields. Teach them to do whatever it is that you know how to do, and teach them well. But first, teach them about God. Amen. Nothing else matters in the light of that. It's the most important thing. And that's what David did. He educated his son. Let me move. Let me hurry. Not only did he educate his son, he equipped his son. He didn't just say, well, this is what you need to do now. Knock yourself out. But he tried to actively do everything in his power to set his son up for success. Not success monetarily, although there was a lot of gold and silver involved. Not success in the eyes of the people, although he certainly had the eyes of the people, but success in fulfilling the will of God. That was the thing. And we see it how that he, he set him up. He equipped him. He equipped him with the right purpose. In chapter 22, verse 11, he said, my son, the, the, Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou. Build the house of the Lord thy God as he hath said of thee. And when he said that, here's what he said. This is God's will for your life. Now, let me just step back real quickly and say, it is not always the case that God speaks so clearly to a father about the will of God for his son in something like that, right? It's not necessarily saying, oh, you need to look at your son and say, hey, son, it's God's will that you're a preacher. No, I don't, I don't really think that's, that's what we're trying to get out of the lesson is this. But there's a lot of things that we know is God's will for our children and is not God's will for our children. And if we are setting them up for failure, we're failing them as parents. Amen. We can tell them, hey, live a clean life, right? Live a clean life and serve God and, and don't go out in the world and, and, and commit a bunch of sin, do all these things. But then we pump it into them at home. Amen. We let anything out in the world come into the house and let them see it and let them hear it and let them go wherever they want to go with whoever they want to go with. Amen. We are setting them up for failure. By doing that, we are educating them, but we are not equipping them. Can you see that? It is our job to equip them to do well. Now, they can take everything we give them and reject it. They can. But let's not let it be our fault. Amen? Amen? Let's not let it be our fault. Let me, let me help you with something real quick. Now, this, this is going to be a, real, a little personal. Are you ready? Can you handle it? If you give your child a cell phone with internet access, unrestricted, and un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You do not observe it. You do not monitor it. You're setting them up for failure. If I had had this when I was 14 years old, I don't know what would have happened to me. I'm just going to be honest with you. Y'all know what's available on the internet? Ev anything. Things that people 20 years ago could not have seen, no matter how hard they tried, because it was not available. It's available to your children with the click 
of a button with no work attached. Amen. We have equipped them with something that can easily destroy them. Say, not my, not my kid. My kid would never. Are you kidding me? Would you have? Honest to God, ask yourself that question, because I'm going to tell you, at 13 years old, Brother Tim, if I'd have had that in my hand, I would have. Can I be honest? Hey, dads, are y'all, are y'all in here this morning? There's some things that if you'd have had as easy access to as they have now, there's no telling what you've seen. Amen. When you're 13, you know what you're not good at? Making decisions. You ever make a good decision at 13? Good for you. That was the exception. That was at 1%. You made a good decision. The rest of them were meathead decisions. When you hand a meathead access to every ungodly thing in the world, number one, they know this. I I can see it if I want to. Number two, no one will know. Mom and dad don't check. Nobody will know and if they ask me, I'll lie, then you are putting a whole lot of trust in their integrity that the truth is they're too young and tender to have. It does not mean they're evil, wicked monsters. It means this, they're weak humans just like you are. Amen. And if David, he looked at his son, he said this, I want him to do well. I'm going to be dead soon. While I'm alive, I'm going to do everything I can to put him on the right path. I'm going to prepare his way before the Lord. That's what he did. He gave him the right purpose and said, this is God's will for your life. It is not God's will for you to do this. It is God's will for you to do that. And now that I've told you that, let me help you get there. He gave him the right plans. I won't read it for the sake of time, but in verse 11 through 13, we see how that David said he, he had given to Solomon his son the patterns of the porch and the house and the treasures, the upper chambers, all that stuff, the patterns for the, for the courses of the priests and Levites. He, listened, he gave him this. He gave him all the instructions that he could possibly need to do it exactly the way it needed to be done. And he gave him blueprints. Amen. Give your children a Bible. Amen. Give them a Bible and read it with them. Spend time in it. Now, you don't, I'm not telling you you've got to do a devotion with your family every night, but if your kids don't even know if you read a Bible or have ever even seen your Bible, there is a huge problem in your home. You need to bring out the pattern and show it to them. Amen. When you you see something in your study of God's Word, I don't care how bored they act, tell them about it. Amen. Teach it to them. Give them those right plans. You give them the right purpose. You give them the right plans. Put them with the right people. Amen. 1 Chronicles 22, 15, it said, he's talking, he said, there are workmen with thee in abundance. Hewers of stone and timber, chapter 28, verse 21, he said, there's the priests and the Levites, and they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. You know what David did? David made sure that he put people around Solomon that were going to help him do God's will. He did not surround him with a bunch of naysayers, with a bunch of idolaters. Amen. It matters who your children are around. You ever heard the statement, your your kids will be more like their friends than their fathers? David had a son who had a friend named Jonadab. And Jonadab enabled David's son to take advantage of his own sister, ruin her, and get himself murdered by his own brother. You think David knew that the people you hang around affects your children? There are some people and some places your kids don't need to be. 
Nothing good shall come of this. Growing up as a kid, there were I, a number of times, Brother Tim, and, and I, I went a lot. I never wanted to stay home. I wanted to go stay the night. That was the greatest thing ever for me. My buddy John, I, I, I spent more nights in his house than anybody else's house outside of my parents' house growing up. I go stay at my grandma's. And then I got in school, and I started making some friends. And I went to public school, and I come to mom one day. I remember asking, hey, could I go spend the night with so-and-so? And she said, no. I was like, well, why not? Because I don't know them. Well, I know them. He, he, he don't cuss at school. He's a good... Yeah, but I don't know his mom, and I don't know his dad, and I'm not sending you into their house. Amen. Amen. Uh, and that, that's good. Wise. Can I tell you? There's some people your kids just don't need to be around. They don't need to go to, to, to my buddy's house and go over there and see, see their mom and dad partying and drinking and doing whatever else. They don't need to see that. Amen. They don't need to go, they don't need to, go to the party just because they promise you they won't be doing the bad things the other kids are doing. They don't need to be there. Amen. You, now, you, you, can, you can agree with me this morning or not, but I can tell you very plainly this. If we surround our kids and we, we pump into their heads, oh, do right, do right, do right, but then we put them in all the wrong situations, they're going to make the wrong decisions. Amen. Amen. There are right people to put around your children, and there are wrong people to put around your children. Amen. Put him, he surrounded him. He prepared him with the right products. We're talking about how that he equipped him with the right products, and we, we read it. We can read it again if we want. In 2 Chronicles 22 and 29, how that he got him the silver and the gold and, and the wood and the onyx stones and the stone set and the glistening stones and the diver's colors. And he gathered all the stuff necessary to build the most majestic building that had ever been built. And he said, hey, Solomon, I've got it all ready for you. Here it is. I've got all the things that you need, all the necessary parts, everything that you need to serve God and to do His work, you've got it right here. And that ought to be us. It ought not ever be hard. We ought not ever be an obstacle for our children to serve God. If you've ever worked in youth ministry, you know what it's like when you've got a young person with a great desire to serve God and a mom or a dad who all they ever do is poo-poo on what they're trying to do. Every time they come home from teen camp, fired up and Bless God, I had a boy one time tell me he wanted to, he wanted to quit uh, playing a sport because it was consuming his life and, and he couldn't go to all the church activities because he was doing the sport and all that stuff. And I was like, look, man, that's when you and your parents, but if that's what you think God wants you to do, you talk to him, y'all pray about it, amen. You know, I tried to just kind of step back. I didn't want to be a part of that. And of course, when he got home, it was, there's no way. And that young man, as far as I know, is not even in church today. You know why? Because mom and dad wanted to give him all the products to have success in the world, but didn't care about giving them the right things to serve God. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing ball so long as it does not come before God. Amen. The moment it does, you've failed as a parent. You've created, an, you've created an idol in the life of your children, and you are setting them up for failure, not success. Success by the world's standards is not success by God's standards. Amen. You put them in the right place. First verse we read. Here's what David said. This is the house of the Lord God. Where do we see David? We see him with his son in God's house. You want to know how to, you want to, know how to prepare the way for your children? You want to know how to set them up for success? Get them in God's house. Don't make excuses for them to miss. Amen. Get them there every time the doors are open. Be annoying about it. You know what? My kids say, oh, I don't want to go to church today. 
I think, well, you know what? You're going to anyway. There was never a time in my home growing up where I thought, I wonder if we're going to church on Sunday. I either knew we were, or I knew, well, you know, we were sick all night, and we're still sick, so we're probably not going. But even then, I'd go and say, we're not going to church today, right? And we didn't, just so you know, we didn't. We didn't come in and puke on the back pews. I know some people did. We didn't. Amen. It was never a question. You need to have your kids in the right place. When your kids miss church more than they attend church, don't be surprised when they go the wrong way. They're going the wrong way because that's exactly what they're prepared for. They're being set up. Say, well, Brother Paul, you know, what if we take them to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, teen camp, we send them to teen camp whether they want to go or not, we take them to VBS whether they want to go or not, we take them, we take them, we take them, and then they still go the wrong way. Well, you know what? Pray for them. But I'll tell you this right now. It's not because you set them up for failure. Solomon was going to go on to mess some things up big. But you know what we see right here? It may be a little late, but David's doing everything he can to set him up. Let's learn from that. Prepare the way for them to fulfill the will of God in their life. Lastly, he encouraged his son. Some people are better at this than others. But you'll see that this encouragement, and encouragement, when we think of that word encouragement, it's usually in a positive context, right? To be encouraged... But sometimes encouragement can be a little bit more uh, aggressive. You ever had any aggressive encouragement? I would recommend that you do that before I get home. You've been encouraged. Now take that encouragement and go with God, right? But the truth is, David did encourage his son. He encouraged him first with great care, and we can see that in the passage in chapter 22, verse 13. It said, he said, thou shalt prosper if thou take a seed to fulfill the statutes. He said, you'll be good. He said this, dread not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. He's telling him, be of good courage, Solomon. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. and Just be strong. You can do this. Amen. He's cheering him on. But he's also warning him. If you don't, God won't bless you. Amen. In, verse, in chapter 29, verse 18, he said, The Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel of our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the faults of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee, and give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, to do all these things, and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. And that's a prayer that David is praying out loud before his son and all the people. So David gets Solomon together, and first he encourages him with great care. By praying for him publicly, God, give him a perfect heart and protect him and, and help him and help him to do your work and do your will. And that's his prayer to him. But then he, he gives him that great care. He also looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Be strong. You'll be all right. Everything will be okay. He's encouraging him. Amen? Amen. Can I say, dads, it's okay to be encouraging. Yeah. Well, my dad never encouraged me. Well, you know what? My dad didn't encourage me all that much either. He was a great dad. The one thing my dad's always been is a man. Very manly. And there are very specific times in my life where I can remember my dad coming to me and wrapping me up and telling me he loves me and hugging me and that he's proud of me. And those times, there was a little more distance between those times than maybe for some. But I don't begrudge him for that because I knew that he meant it when he said it. Amen? Amen. And as rough and tough and... <clears throat> as my dad's always been, 
He took the time to encourage me when I needed it. Because even a tough and rough guy can be encouraging to his children. Sometimes they need you to look at them and say, hey, I love you. It's going to be all right. That's not, that, that can't always be mom. Now, I know moms are usually better at that. That's a strength of theirs and a weakness of ours. But just because mom does it does not mean they don't need to hear it from you. They do. Amen. Are you all still with me? I know it's been a little bit rough, dads. But it's needed. Amen. David encouraged his son. He said, son, be strong. Be of good courage. Don't, don't be dismayed. You'll be all right. And then after saying that, he stood up before all the people and he prayed for him. God, will you help my son? Will you bless my son? Will you protect him? Amen. He encouraged him with great care. But then he encouraged him with a great charge. Chapter 28, verse 9, he said this, Thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If you seek him, he'll be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong. He said this, and do it. Do it. Do it. Amen. Don't just think about it. Do it. Go, be strong, and do the work. Amen? Chapter 28, verse 20, he said this, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee, will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. He said this, he said, Get up, be strong, and go and do the work. In chapter 22, he, he talked to me, he said, Arise, therefore, and be doing. Get to work. The Lord be with you. You've got to get up and you've got to go, and I'm charging you that, son, I'm not going to be here much longer. David wasn't going to be there to hold his hand and make him do what's right. He's saying this, son, I need you to quit, quit trying and quit thinking and get up and do. Amen. Do it. Do the work of God. Do the will of God. He's telling him, be committed to follow a perfect heart. He said, he said, have a perfect heart toward God. Amen. I would to God that Solomon had kept that advice his whole life. Amen. Have a perfect heart toward God and don't stray toward others. Be committed. Be submitted. He said, to have a willing mind. That's what he said. He said, with a willing mind and a perfect heart. A willing mind means I'm submitted and willing to do whatever God wants me to do. Amen. Be committed. Be submitted. He told him to be acquitted to God, to to go to God and to put away all sin and all guilt and all wrong and to follow after God. And if he would do that and seek him and be found in God, that God would not, never leave him, but that if he didn't, God would forsake him. It's a great charge to be strong and do it. Being a father sometimes means taking time Telling your kids the things that they don't want to hear. I'll tell you what, my son never, ever wants to hear no candy. Amen. He never wants to hear it. <laughs> Just the other day, I had to discipline Peyton over something, and I'll tell you, it was the hardest thing I probably ever had to do. She's crying, begging me, Daddy, but, but why, why do I have to be in trouble? Because you did something that was wrong. And there are consequences. Amen? Amen? Being a dad sometimes is hard. Can I be honest with you? A lot of times it's hard. 
But if we're going to look at them and say, be strong and do it, we better. Say it again. So, Brother Paul, that's right. I need to tell my kids, do what's right and live right and be right and raise them up. Amen. If you're going to tell them to do it, you better. It's time for you to commit to God's work. It's time for you to submit to God's will. It's time for you to be acquitted of the sin that's in your life and the things you've dabbled with. That's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your children. The children of Israel, the reason that they deal with idolatry throughout all of their history can be traced back to Judges chapter 2 when the first godly nation of Israel under Joshua came in and took Canaan and they did not drive out everybody. They left a remnant of the wickedness in their land and God said, because you did, there'll be a thorn in your eye until you are dead or leave this land. And guess what? Kings, Chronicles, all the way through to modern day, Israel has a thorn in their eye. And the reason is because the moms and the dads, listen, were not willing to take that remnant and get it out. David looked at his son and said, be strong and do it. Are you going to do that? I don't know if you know this or not, but the world doesn't really care that much about you anymore. Moms and dads, boomer, right? Some of you are thinking, I'm 25, I'm not a boomer. Millennials, millennials are turning into the old people now. Do you know that? They don't care about you. But you know what they do care about? Your kids. That's their, that is their battle strategy. Their battle strategy is to pump every ungodly thing into everything our children enjoy so that they can win their hearts now so that they'll have their minds later. Who's going to protect them if you're not? Dads have got a harder job today than we probably ever had. There's a lot more out there to get your kids. I talked about cell phones. And there's, there's probably a kid in here with one who thought the preacher needs to stop talking about cell phones right now. Because you know what? They're young and tender. In their mind, the only thing that matters is it's cool, and I want it, and it's easy, and everybody's got one. But in our mind, we've got to understand that there are some things that are very life-changing, dangerous. Things they will never, ever break free of all because we would rather just let them have what they want than to protect them from things they don't need. It's hard. It is difficult. Very difficult. Incredibly difficult. That's our job. Be strong and do it. That's the charge David gave to his son, and that's the charge I'm giving you now. If you go to your son or your daughter and say, hey, you can't do this, or you can't have this, and I know maybe you did before, but you can't. And they react, they're not going to say, thank you, Father. They're not. They're going to blow up. They're going to cry. They're going to say they hate you. They're going to act like you have just literally murdered them. That's why you got to be strong. Because hard things are hard. Did you all know that? Difficult things are difficult. 
And nobody ever said being a dad or be, and being a parent was going to be easy because it's not. And if they did, they lied. Amen? They lied. But I know this, Solomon made a lot of mistakes. But in Proverbs chapter 23, as he is writing, you know what's interesting about the book of Proverbs? Most of it is written from a father to his son. And here we see David talking to Solomon. He's saying, my son. In Proverbs 23, verse 23, Solomon wrote this, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Verse 26, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. That is the voice of a righteous father who is trying to be strong and do it. He's trying to serve God and live for God and do what's right for God. And his mother is trying to do what's right for God. It is a, a mother and a father who love God or trying to serve God. And the father says, son, give me your heart. Don't give your heart to every girl or everything that comes along. Give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. You know what he's saying? If you'll, if you'll do as I'm doing and you'll listen to what I'm telling you, then you'll do right. So let me ask you a simple question. Could you say that? Dad, could you look at your son or your daughter and say, just walk like I'm walking. Watch what I'm watching. Read what I'm reading. See what I'm seeing. Go where I go. And if you do, I promise I won't lead you astray. That was the message that Solomon wrote. And you know what Solomon he led his sons astray. He allowed sin and the lust of his flesh to destroy his life. Yet, David wasn't a perfect man. And Solomon's mistake was a multiplied version of David's mistake. David told him, if you'll stick with God forever, he'll stick with you. Solomon didn't. His sons paid the price. I don't want my son to pay the price my poor parenting. That's easier said than done. And I know that. And I also know this. One sermon's not going to make you a great dad. It's going to take a lifetime of work. And it is also not something I have figured out. But if we want, if we stay the path we're walking on now, if we continue in the same direction, in the same way tomorrow we did yesterday with our children, we put the same amount of time into them. We talk with them the same way we've been talking with them or talking to them. And we train them the same way we've been training them. Is our path a good path? Or is the path that we're preparing them one that is destined for failure? Could you in good faith ask your children, let thine eyes observe my ways? Are your kids saved? Say, so, well, they're not old enough yet. Me too. You praying for them? When I, I pray for my children and I always pray the same prayer. God, as soon, God, if it be your will, as soon as they are able to understand and be saved, please save them. Amen. As a parent, you better be praying for the salvation of your children. Are they serving the Lord? So my kids are old, they've been saved. Are they serving God? Are they serious about the things of God? Are they interested in the things of God? If not, why not? because they're in a rebellious phase? Are you preparing them for a path that leads to God? 
Are you preparing them on a path that might be adjacent to God, but that the destination you have in mind is something else entirely? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.